Hello, everyone. Oh, Happy Siren Sundays. What's splashing? It's your host, Lashanti the Siren. And on this episode, our guest is Haley Jo Carr, who is the training director at the Perry Institute for Marine Science and the coordinator of the Reef Rescue Network. And our episode is proudly sponsored by Science and Perspective because we all need a little more science and a lot more perspective. Welcome, Haley. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, very excited to have you. I know I went briefly um, live on my Instagram and I was like, I had known about Haley for years. I've been trying to like work with Haley for years, but my schedule in my last job was so crazy. And now we work together and I still don't get to go diving with you. <laughs> I know, we still hardly see each other. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to nail you down for this episode, though, because I do think the work that you guys are doing um, at the Reef Rescue Network is something to talk about. Um, but before we jump into what you're doing, can you tell the people, you know, a brief description of who you are? How did you get into ocean conservation? And, and how did Haley Jokar become the Patty Pro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a long story. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my, um, my background is um, I'm from Cornwall originally in the UK. And um, I grew up there just by the ocean, so grew up on the beach. Like I was always on the beach with my family and always rock pooling and always interested in nature, loved being outdoors, um, you know, so that was my youth. And then going into my late teenage years is when I started to get involved with more kind of outdoor activities. So I was really... Um, really into like rock climbing, believe it or not, mountaineering and kayaking and canoeing, anything that got me outside in nature and I wanted to do it. So that was kind of my interest when I was really young. And um, so that led to me doing a bachelor's degree in sports and recreation studies with community studies. So my focus was, you know, outdoor education within nature. Um, and that was what I did at university. And when I left uni, I, rather than go straight into a career, I really wanted to travel the world and see some other countries and really just see what's out there, travel, see more of nature, go and explore the beautiful planet. And so that's what I did. And I jumped on a plane and I went to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Indonesia, Thailand. And just was obviously blown away, you know, that by, you know, only being in the UK and then just seeing this whole entire world out there. And, um, it was while I was in Australia um, that I did the typical backpacker thing and was like, right, I'm going to learn to scuba dive. And so while I was there um, on the Great Barrier Reef is where I actually got to learn to scuba dive. And, you know, as soon as you know, I know it's really cliche, it's what everyone says, but like as soon as my head went beneath the ocean and I was diving, I was just absolutely blown away um, and just hooked from that minute. So, yeah, as soon as I started diving and I was traveling, so then I was getting to just dive all these countries, all these reefs and just experiencing and seeing loads of different marine life from, you know, whale sharks in thailand to manta rays in indonesia you know it was just you know endless yeah endless experiences so yeah i was just hooked so you know once that happens i think you, you know you can't turn back once you've got a passion so you know and i was always raised by my parents to like follow your dreams you know and really do something you love so i just fell in love with stewardome fell in love with the ocean and um I think, you know, once you become a scuba diver, um, you start to see the negative things that are happening in the ocean. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was really quick that I could already recognize that there was threats um, that coral reefs were facing and you could see things like, you know, when you're diving. So you wanted to kind of make a difference straight away. So really early on, I also got into marine conservation as well. So my scuba diving kind of went hand in hand um, with marine conservation. Yeah, and I think it always happens that way, right? Like not until you have that connection with something, do you actually start having the interest of like conserving it? Because I think a lot of people who get into marine conservation, it only takes maybe like one dive or one snorkel. And even if they don't pursue a career in the marine sciences and marine conservation, they still have that, um, 
that activism where they make sure that they have like conscious decisions, they live a little bit more sustainably and things like that. So definitely scuba diving is one of those gateway <laughs> things to do yeah. to get into marine conservation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a gateway. I meet a lot of other people within marine conservation, marine science that actually kind of came in through scuba diving. Um, and like you said, it is that gateway. So I think as, um, as an instructor, you know, you're getting to take people diving for the first time, you're training people and you're giving them that wow experience. And, you know, once you get them scuba diving, then they want to do something to help as well. So you're in this really good position that you can really have a positive, um, you know, effect on people wanting to do something about the ocean. So for me, um, you know, I was doing that as an instructor. I worked um, for many years in Thailand and then I worked in Fiji and I was, you know, training divers um, with an emphasis in marine conservation. So all the programs I taught were, you know, sea turtles and shark conservation and removing debris and, you know, naturalists. So everything that I could do to educate these divers, not just to become safe divers, but to go beyond that and become marine conservation's ocean advocates themselves. And, um, you know, once I moved here to the Bahamas, I had the opportunity to work towards my course director. Mm -hmm. So as a PADI course director, you can actually train instructors. So from being able to influence at just the diver level, you know, I could then, I thought, wow, this is great. I can go on and now train instructors to teach and also, you know, influence these instructors to be, you know, marine conservationists themselves who are then going to influence their divers. So, you know, for me, you know, that's just such a huge thing. I think as divers, we have um, such a role to play in protecting our oceans and actually doing hands-on um, things like removing drugs debris and you know what we're going to go on to talk about next the reef rescue network right and right so before we do move on to that and i know i didn't send this in the discussion points so hopefully this doesn't throw you off guard but you can ask me anything (laughs) and you guys watching you can also ask her anything as well in the comments well not anything anything but you know (laughs) (laughs) just out of curiosity the ocean anything (laughs) because you've been an instructor here in the bahamas for a while and i think most dive instructors here, if not almost all, have, have kind of gone through you, correct? Uh, yeah, well, not everyone, but yeah, no, a lot. Yeah, I have trained a lot of instructors here uh, in the Bahamas, which has been amazing to train so many local Bahamians as instructors. And then, you know, I'll often, as part of the network, I work with a lot of dive shops throughout the islands and I bump into these instructors that I've trained again and I can see them you know in their element and training instructors and loving their job and doing a great job so yeah that's really nice it's like a proud moment when I keep going around and seeing what what all these uh, instructors are doing I love it and I think that's one of the things that I always thought was so great about just the scuba diving career path is you can get someone fresh out of high school with some good swimming abilities and you can take them from that open water certification and they end up going straight up to dive instructor. And like you said, a lot of people get hooked, you know, like we live in such a beautiful country. Um, the minute you start diving, the minute you start snorkeling in the Bahamas, I think it, it definitely becomes something where it's like, I got to go again. I need to go see a new site. I have to do something else. Um, but to segue into the discussion for today's episode, um, the reef rescue network, before we say exactly what that is, can you just give a brief explanation of well, what are coral reefs and what are their roles and what are some threats and why, what birthed the Reef Rescue Network? That's a lot of questions. Yes. But yeah, <laughs> coral reefs, um, you know, let's talk about coral reefs first of all. Yeah, why, why are they so important? Yeah. Um, you know, and if we think about, let's think about here in the Bahamas, why are coral reefs here um, important? Uh, one of the main reasons they're important here is obviously food you know so they produce a lot of food for people that they live off and also it's really important for the fisheries as well um, for people's employment so fisheries and food is very important they also provide coastal protection and you know here being in the bahamas we as you know we're so low lying um, you know, we have a lot of storms, we have a lot of hurricanes, unfortunately, come through, that we really need those coral reefs um, as a barrier. So they're a protection. I think they absorb up to like 97% of wave energy coming in. So they really protect um, the islands from hurricanes and storms. So 
that's a huge reason they're important for us here in the Bahamas. Um, also, you know, there's a lot of pharmaceuticals that have been found in coral reefs, a lot of medicines, a lot of drugs. There's a lot of things yet to even be found uh, within coral reefs. So another reason they're important. Um, and also here in the Bahamas for tourism. So tourism is a huge industry here in the Bahamas. And, you know, whether people are coming here to scuba dive, snorkel, um, to fish, whatever they may be doing, um, we need healthy coral reefs. So it's extremely important. And, you know, that all of those benefits are for us. You know, they're for us as people, um, as humans living on this planet, we need coral reefs. But also, you know, other marine life need coral reefs. So it's their home, you know. And I, I always love to say to people, because I think it's so fascinating that, you know, coral reefs cover about barely 1% of the ocean surface, of the, of the Earth's surface, but they're home to 25%. Um, of all marine species and all marine life yeah which you know when you think of it that way that's just an incredible amount of things that are living within a coral reef so extremely important um and you know sadly there's a lot of threats that that they're facing um so coral reefs are facing lots of different threats they're facing things from pollution um that can be things like land-based pollution from runoff um, it can be um, debris and just trash, discarded fishing nets, discarded fishing line, things like that. Um, you've also got the hurricanes and the storms. Um, you know, yes, that's a natural occurrence, but because of climate change, you know, as we know, hurricanes and storms are getting more powerful, they're getting more frequent. So it's almost like becoming unnatural because, you know, humans yeah. are making them kind of worse. So, you know, hurricanes are really destructive to coral reefs. Um, you've also then got things within the reef, so you have a lot of predation. So there are a lot of other things down there that like to eat corals. Um, so we have a lot of predation. There's also coral disease, uh, which is a huge thing right now. Um, so, you know, the corals that we'll go on to talk about in a moment that we grow within the reef rescue network, um, those corals were actually hit by a disease called white band disease. So we actually work with staghorn coral and elkhorn coral, and they were wiped out, pretty much wiped out um, by white band disease. And, um, you know, what's happening now is there's stony coral tissue loss disease. So that doesn't thankfully affect elkhorn and staghorn, but it is affecting um, a lot of the other corals and the boulder corals, the brown corals are getting affected by it. So um, disease is definitely, and like I say with stony coral tissue loss disease right now, it's probably one of the worst things that I've seen um, on the reefs, um, with the reefs dying. So disease is definitely up there as, as one of the major threats um, to our coral reefs at the moment. Uh, we've also got, uh, obviously, climate change. Um, you know, if temperatures get too warm, then that places stress onto our corals. Corals can die. Um, so that's another stressor. Um, we've also got a problem here in the Bahamas is uh, we have a lot of algae. So we have a lot of, you, you know, algae is supposed to be on the coral reefs, but when you have too much algae, um, that's really bad for the corals. So when the corals spawn, you know, and the little baby corals come down and they want somewhere to land, you know, if there's no bare substrate yes. and it's covered in algae, then that can be a really big problem. And um, in the early 1980s, we had a big die-off here of the long-spined urchin. The urchin. So, yeah, because they died off, um, you know, they were really big grazers on the reef. So they would kind of keep the reef clean from algae um, which would make way and keep it clear for the corals. Um, and also, there's a lot of overfishing of algae eaters right now, a lot of herbivores, um, which I know last week I watched your, um, <laughs> your episode with Carlisa. Um, so, and she talked about, you know, this parrotfish, this emerging parrotfish fisheries. Um, yeah. And that's having a massive negative effect. So, because there's less parrotfish to keep the reef clean there's a lot of algae overgrowing. So like I said, there's less place for corals to to land and to grow and for new recruits to kind of form and develop on the reef. So um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of threats it's facing. Um, so there's a lot of different things that need to be done. You know, if you, if you think of those threats 
Um, and what needs to be done is obviously, you know, is everybody should be thinking about reducing their carbon footprint um, and trying to help reduce climate change. But then it's little things like stopping, you know, don't leave trash at the beaches, pick up your trash when you're there. Um, also reduce and reuse and recycle, things like this. All of these things um, can help um, coral reefs. Right. And so how long has the Reef Rescue Network been around and what was the what was the conversation at the time that made this unnecessary thing to form? Um, so the Reef Rescue Network, uh, that formed back in 2017. And um, that was established by Craig Dahlgren of the Perry Institute for Marine Science, so the executive director. And he realized there was a, a few uh, coral restoration projects going on throughout the Bahamas. But there wasn't a unity, you know, there was a few people doing a few different organizations doing um, coral restoration and kind of doing their own thing. And there wasn't kind of this common ground um, and, you know, shared knowledge and shared research that was going on with it. So I think, you know, what we wanted to do by creating the Reef Rescue Network is to create um, a network of coral nurseries, let more people get involved with coral restoration and coral nurseries, but you know, do it the correct way so that everyone's following the correct scientific methods, the correct procedures. Um, people are trained properly on how to maintain them. They're trained on how to plant corals, how to you know collect any data that's necessary. So you know, everybody's provided with the training. Everyone's doing it the, the correct way. And, um, you know, that was the the first reason why it came about. So it was to check that everyone was following the correct guidelines and procedures. Right. And then, you know, from that, it was like, okay, you know, this is something also that recreational divers can get involved with. So in the beginning with coral restoration and coral nurseries, it was a lot of, um, you know, just marine scientists or biologists that were doing the actual work as well. And, you know, what we wanted to do, and that's really where my expertise came in, is to let's get recreational divers, let's get local Bahamians involved with actually looking after coral nurseries, growing corals, and planting them back onto the reefs. Um, so as part of that, um, and to get recreational divers involved, as a course director, I wrote a PADI specialty course. So I wrote the yeah, Paddy Reef Rescue Diver course. Um, and hundreds of people have now gone through that program here in the Bahamas, which is okay. great. <laughs> like you, you've done it. Uh, so we created that so that, you know, I really believe, you know, that divers and people, just everyday people that care, you know, as long as they get the correct training, then they can become involved with marine science and, and with coral restoration. So that's why we created that program. And then, you know, each what we've created now is a network. I think we have about 35 partners now throughout the network. Nice. And we have all these coral nurseries that, um, you know, they can take their guests out to because I've trained their instructors to teach the Reef Rescue Diver program. So they can take out divers to the coral nursery, do maintenance, outplant corals. So, you know, tourists can do that when they come in, any of our participating partners. And also, you know, local Bahamians can go to these dive shops, these locations and get trained as reef rescue drivers themselves. Yeah, and even when people do become a part of the network, I know there's, you know, this little Facebook chat group and it's there are a lot of opportunities for people to just volunteer once you're trained and you get to go out on a boat and go to a coral reef site and work on coral nursery sites. And I think that's such an amazing opportunity that not a lot of Bahamians are aware of because a lot of people get just like the open water certification like oh, okay there's nothing else but there's so much more that you can do with a dive certification besides just like observing the reef you can take action and actually do something on the reef to to make a difference you know yeah definitely I don't think a lot of people realize yeah that they can actually get involved um and yeah we definitely once you become um certified then we do have uh, like messenger group and chat groups and we try to do social media posts like advertising when we have events um, because you know a lot of the partners often will say hey this weekend we're going to do some cleaning at the nursery you know who wants to come along and join and often they'll do it at like reduced rates 
Um, sometimes it'd be complimentary, sometimes there's a charge. Like it really depends where and when we're going and for how long. Um, but it lets divers that have been certified come along and, and take part of that. And we're always welcome for people that want to come out and help and, and learn more. Right. So since uh, its inception in 2017, how many outplantings have has the Reef Rescue Network done in the Bahamas? Because I know it's, you do outplanting in other countries as well. You know, um, oh, we've, we've planted thousands and thousands of corals. Um, That's great, yeah. though. I'm happy you can't remember. Yeah. yeah, we've planted thousands. So, you know, since, you know, 2017, like I said we've got 35 nurseries. Um, on average, a nursery will be growing um, around 500 fragments, anywhere from 250 to 500 fragments. Right. Um, you know, and each of those can produce a couple of fragments when it's outplanted. So when we plant, we only cut off either side. So we leave a piece always to continue to grow in the nursery. So, you know, they're producing a couple of branches that you can plant. So it can be producing, you know, one nursery can be producing a thousand fragments that we can plant you know every nine ten months so you know and times that by 35 nurseries you know there's a lot of a lot of outplanting that can be done um here on nassau um uh over on the southwest side of new providence um on the bond reef i've been planting there probably for about seven or eight years now and um, that's just incredible to see, you know, that, that's just amazing. Like that, that reef area was completely destroyed in Hurricane Matthew. Like I cried when I dived it after, dived it after Hurricane Matthew, I did actually cry because, you know, all the corals were destroyed. It looked like it just a bomb had gone off, you know, all the corals were upside down and everything had been tossed around. And then because it's so close to shore, a lot of um, like kind of mud and sediment had washed off the land onto yeah. the reef um so it was so depressing to see so you know that was one of the main area main areas we thought right you know this has been destroyed from the hurricane so let's focus on this so for years now we've been planting there mm -hmm. and um, it's just amazing now to see it come back so there's these huge thickets of staghorn coral now all the way along the bond reef and you know there's loads of fish have come back and marine life have come back to that area so, um, you know, it's really amazing to see that. So, you know, I'm looking forward, you know, a lot of our other outplant sites are, are newer. They've only been planted on, say, maybe for the last year or two years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it does take, you know, this isn't an overnight process. So it takes a few years for it to get to like huge reef areas that are covered. Um, but it's so amazing to start to see everything develop. And then, you know, when lots of marine life come back again, it's, it's so rewarding. Definitely. Yeah. So we do have a question um, in the comments. Uh, Megan says, great community work. What islands in the Bahamas are the nurseries in the field? That's a good question. What islands? Um, so we have um, coral nurseries, like I said, here in New Providence. Mm -hmm. We also have coral nurseries in Bimini. Um, we have two nurseries in Bimini and we have nurseries in Andros. We have a lot of in Andros, actually, in North Andros, Central Andros, South Andros. I think Andros has the most coral nurseries, actually. Nice. Makes sense. It's the largest island, isn't it, in the Bahamas? So it makes sense. Um, <laughs> we've also got coral nurseries in Eleuthera, um, also on Cat Islands, San Salvador. I'm going to forget one, aren't I? I'm getting in trouble. Where else have we got? We've got <laughs> San Salvador, Exumas, um, where else? Abaco. Abaco. Nice. Um, Grand Bahama? We, yes, we have two there in, in a collaboration with the Bahamas National Trust uh, mm -hmm. in the Lukai National Park and the Peterson Key National Park. There's two there. Awesome. Um, so we're trying to, I think we're pretty much on all the main islands. And if I've forgotten That's anyone, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but we're pretty much on. Basically, wherever there's a dive shop, especially in the Bahamas, then that's who we've reached out to. And, you know, we're continually expanding throughout the islands. Um, I know. So I, it's actually low season right now for me because it's the summer months. So because the temperature is quite high, that places a lot of stress on the corals. Okay. So we don't tend to do anything here in the Bahamas um, during the summer months. I do stuff on different Caribbean islands during the summer. 
Um, so our season here is October to May, um, when the water's cooler yeah. and there's less stress on the corals. Um, and I know, yeah, already lined up um, in October, probably, and they've been waiting a while because of um, hurricanes and because of COVID uh, and a lot of, you know, travel restrictions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people waiting. So I know one of the first ones we're going to do next is um, at Brendel's Dive Centre um, mm -hmm. in Green Turtle Key. Okay. Uh, Abaco, so I've never been there. So that's going to be amazing. So we're setting up for a nursery with them. Um, and we're also going to be going to Grand Bahama and setting up a coral nursery with UNEXO. Um, so yeah, it's it's constantly expanding, and you know we really we're on a lot of islands now, but we just want to get to the point where pretty much every dive shop, every resort, every NGO or company that has the capability to actually maintain it, you know, by having a boat making divers. Uh, we really want to be able to assist them in establishing their own coral nursery so that everybody throughout the islands can do it. Yeah, so, you know, it's happening all over. It is one of those things where I think that once you have the people capable of doing the skills, because I'm sure it's very, um, like, low labor intensive. It's not something where you have to go out every day and check on it just every so often to make sure it stays clean and all of those stuff, right? Yeah, it's generally, we usually say about once a month. So, you know, once we, yeah, that's all it takes. So once we obviously assist in the establishment, um, we then train the staff at the dive shop or at the resort or, you know, educational facility, whoever it may be that's actually got the nursery. We make sure we train the staff so they know how to clean the nursery. And, um, yeah, we recommend every month. Um, so every month, all nurseries are different as well, like depending on, you know, some are really next to nice, healthy reefs. So then they're kind of helped out because the, you know, the herbivores and the fish are coming out and pecking off the algae for them. <laughs> so they get a helping hand by marine life. Uh, but there's other places that might not have that with the marine life nearby. So then they'd have to clean more often. Um, but generally, yeah, once a month, a couple of divers can go out, you know, maybe two dives um, just to keep it clean. Yeah, so it's pretty low maintenance and um you know that's another reason why we developed this this course because we do understand especially at the moment with covid you know even going out on a half day with a boat is expensive you know boats cost money fuels expensive so that's why we created um the reef rescue driver course so that you know when customers come or divers come and they want to do the course and you go out and you teach them the course on the nursery getting clean then as mm -hmm. part of their course that's so you're covering your cost yeah definitely. so the people you know that's why i'm like just sell it you know you don't have to worry about maintaining it because you know your your customers your divers are going to maintain it for you mm -hmm. so what we're trying to do at the moment and and moving forward we're working with the bahamas uh, tourism board and we're working a lot with them to try and get people to realize that the Bahamas is a place to come and do coral restoration. So, you know, we're so well known for our sharks. You know, everybody thinks of the sharks because, you know, thankfully we are a shark sanctuary here, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so everybody wants to come here because the shark diving is just yeah, some of the best or the best in the world. So what we're trying to do is, you know, come here for the shark diving, but you know, after you've done your shark dive, come out and plant coral, you know, or come out and help with coral nursery. Um, you know, coral reefs are extremely important for shark populations. Um, so it's all part of the same ecosystem. It's all just as important. So, you know, even tiny little corals um, need help as well. So we're trying to really promote it as a place where come and do some shark, come and do some shark conservation diving, um, but also while you're here, learn about coral reefs, you know, do some coral reef restoration diving while you're here as well. So right. we're really doing a big push with um, marketing it, trying to spread the word um, and trying to, you know, look in places where we get a lot of divers from, such as the US or Canada, and really advertise the fact that, hey, come here. You know, you can choose from all these dive shops throughout the islands that are offering the reef rescue diver course. And, um, you know, you can go out and do the course. And, you know, even if somebody doesn't want to do the certification, 
you know, that's fine. You know, not everybody wants to do a certification on holiday. They might, you know, they just want to relax in the Bahamas. Yeah. They might just want to go and do a fun dive. So, you know, you don't have to do the course. You could just go to the dive shop and say, hey, I'd love to just do a dive at your coral nursery. I'd love to come and see, you know, the corals growing. Let, you know, show me where you've been planting them. So it'd be great yeah. to see what you guys have done. So, you know, it's great that divers can come out and, and participate and just view the nurseries and do your work. Yeah, like come for the sharks, but stay for the corals. <laughs> I like that. And then we do have a few questions coming in. Um, first one is from Megan. Do you think it would be helpful to add cultured sea urchins to the reefs? Definitely. Definitely it would help. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that a lot of different people have tried to do here. Um, but none that I know of have been successful yet. Um I know even the Perry Institute, we've tried a little bit with relocating urchins. Um, you know, for example, if you go to the harbors or Potter's Key or anything like that, you see so the things everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have done a lot of things where you can relocate urchins out to reefs, um, you know, but then you've got to, you know, create like kind of pens and fence them in because they don't want to just stay where you put them. So that's the difference. <laughs> with them uh you know they tend to just crawl off and leave the reef um so i've i know of relocation programs but um i think definitely something that would be amazing here in the bahamas is to um to breed them yeah if somebody could be breeding them in a lab in um an aquarium um you know on a facility on one of the islands uh, if they could breed them and then we could put them out onto the reefs, that'd be amazing. And I know a lot of people, there's a lot of research being done into, you know, effective houses for the for the urchins as well. You know, people trying different kind of urchin, there's urchin hotels and just something as basic as a breeze block to some fancy kind of this like hotel style thing that people have been creating to put onto reefs that they found attract urchins to stay in them. Right. You know, it's all about, it's just trying to find out that, you know, so I, I'd, I'm waiting for somebody, you know, to think, oh, this is what we're going to do and, you know, come and do it where they can they'd breed them. But I heard that breeding them is really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, so they're very sensitive to any slight changes, um, whether that be in the water quality, temperature, whatever it may be. So they're very, very sensitive and quite hard to breed. So I heard. Um, but yeah, if if somebody could breed them and then we could put them back onto the reefs and then with these um, structures that would then keep them on that reef, um, I think that'd be definitely something interesting to do. And I think it'd be really interesting as well to link that with our coral restoration work. So having, um, you know, diadema urchins put back on reefs where we've outplanted yeah. with, with these urchin houses or whatever you like to keep them in that area so yeah that would be really really interesting but like i said i don't know if anyone currently doing it in the bahamas i may yeah. be wrong if anyone knows let us know in the comments or shoot us a message it'd be great to hear from you. Yeah, that'd be interesting to find out yeah um, we do have another question um asking are these nurseries naturally fertilized i guess that's like trying to figure out like how, how's the process of these growing? Can you kind of talk oh, about Oh, the coral nurseries. Oh, yeah. so how, okay. So yeah, with the coral nurseries, so what we actually do initially in the beginning is we will gather from wild colonies. Um, so we would gather from different wild colonies as well. So they're collected from different dive sites, different locations, so that they're different genetic types. So it's really important that you gather different genotypes um, of corals to put into the nursery. Right. Um, so what we tend to do, we keep it simple. We tend to have like one tree is one genotype. You know, the next tree is another genotype. The next tree is another genotype. So that's what we tend to do in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, once they're large enough to cut, then we, you know, they usually start about five centimeters. Right. Um, and then once, you know, they get to about 30 centimeters, you can cut off the growth mm -hmm. and then you can plant them into the reef. So you always leave the original piece because obviously we don't 
want to keep collecting from the world because that's right. the object, you know. So, you know, we're only gathering a small piece in the beginning and then that will keep producing, you know, and it's propagation, you know, it's just going to keep growing and it grows faster each time you cut it. It's just going to keep growing and producing coral. Yeah. So, you know, you always keep those bits. And then when we plant those, what we do is we... Um, obviously, we survey areas. We use Agra, the Atlantic Gulf uh, Rapid Reef Assessments. We survey a site first of all, to because we want to look at how is it now. What's the health of this reef now? You know, right. we look at, we look at different things like what type of predation is in this area. You know, what could what's the possible survival rate in this area? What's the water quality? Lots of things we have to look at first of all in an area to choose it, and then we'll start to plant these corals. Um, Back into these plots, if you like. So we'll right. make a huge plot, um, either usually marked out. Um, sorry, my battery is going to just saying it's going to run out. Let me just <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, we have these um, we have these plots, and what we do then is we keep the genotypes together. So we would let's say we've cut off a load of one tree that's one genotype we right. then plant those together and you can plant those really close together because they're the same genotype you want to plant them close together because they're going to fuse together so they naturally fuse it's the the staghorn that we're growing that naturally fuses and makes thickets so we plant that one really close together and it fuses together and then say maybe about 10 meters away um so close enough you know that when they spawn they can cross fertilize so we'll have a little clump here of a genotype and then within that same plot we'll plant from another tree which is a different genotype right. they'll fuse together and then you know maybe like another 10 meters away 15 meters away we'll plant from another tree so here's another genotype mm. and you know also in these areas there's we make sure there's wild colonies as well if we can you know unfortunately some areas it's really difficult to find but if we can, it's also wild colonies as well. And so then when you have the spawning event, um, which is only once a year, sadly, but when you have the spawning event, you know, and they release all the eggs and sperm into the water, then you're more likely to have cross-fertilization from all these different genotypes are going to mix. Right. That's when, you know, what we, when people talk about making more resilient coral reefs for the future, mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to encourage. So from that cross-fertilization, from all these different genotypes that we're growing, they then cross-fertilize, you know, make their baby coral, settles down onto the reef nearby and creates, you know, a new colony. And, you know, if, if one genotype we're growing is resilient to temperature and another one we're growing is resilient to disease, you know, these two things are coming together, that cross-fertilization then gives them the resilience of both the temperature. Super corals. <laughs> yeah. Super corals, if you like, yeah. <laughs> Lots of people don't like that term, but, um, <laughs> you know, I like it. Why not? It's I great. I the original just now, too. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds um, like a super coral. It's resistant super to temperature and disease. Nope, not original. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're trying to definitely make them more resilient, you know, and we monitor, so everything's monitored, you know, we photomosaic plots before we even put anything down. We then are photomosaicing photo it annually to look at the changes over time. We're doing agri surveys again on these sites to see, you know, is this successful? You know, sometimes you might plant in an area, it's not successful for whatever reason that may be. It may be um, water temperature quality, it could be predation. Maybe there's just too many fireworms, damselfish, snails in that area. Um, so then we can just move sites and move somewhere else. Um, also, and then if, but if it is successful, then great. You can just end up like building these whole new kind of reef areas, which is fantastic. So it's all about monitoring. And, um, you know, if you get a weaker, sometimes you'll notice weaker genotypes yeah. um, that will tend to maybe even stop growing or will just grow less of those and then more of the more resilient ones. Yeah. So it's kind of like proper underwater gardening. Cool. 
It's underwater gardening, isn't it? <laughs> underwater gardening. <laughs> and to be fair, um, when I did do the certification with you guys, I think that was the bond site that we were on. Beautiful site, everyone. It was, it was something about kind of just, cause everyone was always like, okay, do you prefer the cleaning or the outplanting? I'm definitely a cleaner. It's just something about when you get your neutral buoyancy and you're just cleaning. It's just so relaxing. You're, you, even your breathing, I think you just save so much more air cause you're just sitting there and you're just breathing and cleaning. So it's definitely yeah. something I think is therapeutic as well. Um, which leads into the next question that I see a few of our audience members have been asking. I'd love to assist with the coral nurseries. And we even have Safan. If there are volunteer opportunities for the reef rescue work, both my wife and I are interested. So can you talk a bit about um, how people can get involved? And I'm guessing starting from the level of, all right, they already have the open water dives, paddy dive certification. How can people get involved? In yeah, yeah. So I think work? that's the first thing to say is um, you need to be a certified diver. Um, and you just need to be a certified open water diver. It doesn't need to be PADI. It can be any agency organization. But as long as you're open water level um, and also 12 and above. So as long as you're 12 years old and above, yeah, you can come and do the certification with us. Um, so how you can get involved is you want to visit one of our partner locations. So throughout the um, Reef Rescue Network, and if you go on the Perry Institute for Marine website um, if you go on the website you'll see there's an interactive map and if you click on our interactive map it has it lists all of our partners in the Bahamas and it shows you all the ones the the first kind of tab is all of the dive shops that offer the reef rescue diver course so you could just click onto one of those learn more about it and then you can just contact them direct so you could just shoot them a message give them a call email whatever you like uh, and just speak to them and say, hey, you know, I want to become involved um, with the Coral Nursery and be certified as a reef rescue um, diver. And you can get the certification. So it doesn't matter what island you're on. Like I said, we're we're in most places. If yeah. we're not in your area, then shoot me a message. We'll try and make it happen. Um, but most islands do have Coral Nurseries at their dive shops. So you can just get in touch with them um, and then go and do your reef rescue diver course with them. And once you are certified, um, you can contact me. As soon as you do the course, you'll have, um, and obviously we can provide um, emails or anything. I think we've got links up and everything to our pages. You can just shoot us a message once you're certified, and then I would add you into the Reef Rescue Diver group, which is where we often post, hey, we're looking for two volunteers this weekend to come clean the nursery, or hey, we're going to go and outplant you know, next week. Um, so... And there's definitely, um, you know, it has been a little bit slower for uh, volunteer opportunities, obviously, since COVID, yeah. because, you know, we're all trying to social distance. We're all, you know, following correct protocols. So and numbers have been reduced on boats, for example. So there hasn't been much as much as there was before COVID. But, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we'll start to come out of this soon and that's when even more volunteer opportunities will start to arise. And um, we just got a boat. Yes, we do have a boat now. <laughs> we got a boat. Um, I know. So it's really hard because a lot of people are like, oh, I just want to come out and do the course with you. But, you know, obviously I'm traveling a lot. I'm teaching, um, you know, instructor courses or I'm, you know, out in the field doing big outplant sessions, setting up nurseries. So, I'm not always available to teach the course, but definitely, definitely soon, um, definitely watch this space and we will advertise on our social media because, um, you know, I definitely want to be offering some courses. Yes, it will mostly be here on New Providence, but we will be offering the Reef Rescue Diver course um, to divers that want to get involved that are already certified. That will be coming soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the, meantime, in the meantime, you can... Yeah go to any partner dive shops, you know, and do the course with them. And even just to plug in for the, obviously the department I'm in, I know I don't talk much about it on my show, but I do work, <laughs> my real job is at the Perry Institute for Marine Science in the Community Conservation Education Action Program. And we are, now that COVID is seeming to be moving in a better direction, we will, you know, be doing things where we decide, okay, well, we're going to have trainings for X amount of people who are already dive certified. And, and there may be opportunities for people to kind of get certified through us 
at no cost to them. Um, so definitely, like Haley said, watch this space. Uh, follow the Reef Rescue Network on Instagram, on Facebook. Follow the Perry Institute for Marine Science on Instagram and on Facebook. And just keep your ear out. And if you can, if you have the time, you can do it now. Then being ahead is always good, right? And then as soon as you get added to that group, because I think you guys even just posted an opportunity maybe last week, like there are still things kind of trickling in for volunteers. Yeah, yeah. We just, we have some volunteers joining us to clean a nursery um, on Friday, next Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we yeah. have three volunteers uh, coming out to assist with maintaining that core nursery, which is great. Um, but yeah, we do try and offer as many opportunities as we can. Um, you know, and we do, I definitely understand, you know, that scuba diving is an expensive um, sport, you know, and I know that, a lot of people want to get involved that maybe don't have um, the financial capability to get involved. So it's definitely something, you know, it's an expensive sport because you need the equipment and there's a lot of dive equipment you need. There's boats and, you know, fuel. Um, so there are a lot of costs involved, but that's something, you know, and that's why we're constantly reaching out to funders, you know, and that's why we, we need funding um, because, you know, I've, got staff we've got people ready to be able to train people but it's just we need the funding yeah. so you know that's something that we're continually um working towards you know and we appreciate you know anyone even listening to this now that wants to get in touch with us and help there's definitely an area that they can help with is just saying right here's some funding go certify you know 20 local bahamians as open water divers let's certify them as reef rescue divers mm -hmm. you know that's something that we definitely and like say your program and my program collaborating more that's definitely something we all want to do that's you know that's definitely something we want to do it's just it comes down to the funding so exactly. yeah if we can um get assistance with that then definitely more people can get certified and i love the energy from stefan definitely i do remember his wife is an instructor um so Hopefully she can teach reef rescue diving to you, Stefan, and then you guys can get involved. Yeah, is your wife not a reef rescue instructor? I think she is. I'm not sure. You can let us know. If she isn't, then uh, that's another thing. So that's a good point, actually. Um, you know, anyone listening to this or watching, if you are a paddy instructor already, um, you do have to be paddy. Unfortunately, it doesn't cross over to any other agencies right now. It is a paddy specialty. But if you're a paddy instructor, then please email me, reach out to me, and I can train you to become a reef rescue diver instructor. There so, you know, <laughs> Stefan's wife can become an instructor. And then, you know, you can then go ahead and teach other divers. You know, that's that's where I come in mainly as, you know, to train at the instructor level, because then those instructors can go out and teach this course. So, um, yeah, anyone who's an instructor wants to, to do that, I'm happy at any time to train instructors because that's what we need. But yeah, I'm, I'm available for instructor training at any time because, you know, for me, you know, it's important to support like other Bahamian instructors out there. And also, you know, they're the ones that can spread this. They're the ones that can get out and teach other Bahamians how to do the reef rescue driver course. So it kind of, it helps us, you know, in our community development. So yeah, please, please contact me if you, if you're an instructor and want to teach the course. Yeah, it definitely inspires other Bahamians too. But as we do wrap up our episode, through your time, you know, in, in working in this industry, um, do you have any final thoughts for viewers? I always like to ask, like, any inspirations or lessons learned along your journey in your current career path that you'd want to maybe just share? <laughs> um, well, you just, well, talking about everything that we've talked about um, today, just on the show, you know, and when you, because you don't always reflect back, do you, on kind of where you've come from? So, you know, always thinking about you know my early days in diving and traveling the world and all of those experiences and you know it really and, and a lot of people say to me because you know I've been 20 odd years now um, traveling and diving and working in conservation all over the world and you know people are like oh I'm so jealous you know I want to do that and I'm like well, you can do it you know so I think my message to people is just do it yeah like don't be don't be afraid to like let things kind of hold you back in life. And, you know, I've always really been a true believer of you've got to like follow your heart and follow your passion. I was never somebody who wanted to have a job that I didn't enjoy. I can't think of anything worse. Like if, if I've got to work most days of my life, you know, come on, work. No one really wants to work. But if I'm going to work, 
I'm going to do something I love so that I enjoy going to work every day because, you know, we only get one chance at life. And, you know, I can't bear the thought of having a job that I didn't enjoy. So, you know, for me, I've just followed that. I followed my passion. I love diving. I love, you know, educating others, training others about the ocean, about marine conservation. I love playing my part. You know, I, lo I love knowing that I've left, like, I've left a legacy, you know, corals here that I'm planting now are hopefully going to be around long after I've gone. So for me, you know, it's about, you know, follow your passion, you know, work hard though, you know, and keep pushing for what you want and choose a job you love. Like that's honestly like my biggest advice. It, you know, whatever you're passionate about, doesn't have to be anything to do obviously with diving. That's my passion, but whatever your passion is, follow it and you know that's the job that you want to do and then you're just going to have a happy life because you have a happy work environment mm -hmm. um, you know so and we spend a lot of time of our lives working so make sure it's something you enjoy so that's definitely my advice to people is just follow your passions and and be happy yeah and I would just add on to that quickly just to say, and don't be afraid to try something. I know a lot of people might be watching this and be like, oh, scuba diving sounds cool. I don't know, though. Just try it. And if you don't like it, at least you did it, because oftentimes we regret the things that we don't do and don't say rather than the things that we've done and said. So powerful message, Haley. Thanks for that. Last yeah. question to close out. What is your favorite sea creature and why? <laughs> <laughs> the fun yeah. part. That's so difficult, though. That's the, like the most difficult question ever. I love, you know, I just feel a traitor if I say one thing over another. But I, I love everything in the ocean. I really do. Um, I think uh, rather than say as my favorite, I think I'm going to answer it as what have been some of my more breathtaking moments when diving, like memorable experiences, um, has definitely been diving with whale sharks, I think. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, you know, just to see a whale shark, you know, just absolutely huge, so magnificent. And I just, you know, just remember seeing them and just the first time I even saw one, I was just completely blown away. You know, they're just so huge, so graceful. Um, and that for me is just an amazing animal and sharks generally for me. Yes. Um, you know, sharks for me are just incredible animals i'm always in awe of them um and i think you know just how they've evolved over you know thousands of years is just incredible so i love sharks hammerheads tiger sharks <laughs> oceanic white tips reef sharks nurse sharks um, yeah i love sharks yeah and fun fact we do get whale sharks through the bahamas not maybe not as much as you see in like countries like mexico and the maldives but they, they come through here too. I know, I know. A couple of people have seen them on the southwest um, of New Providence. I remember a few years ago and I wasn't on the boat that day. Oh, I could have cried. Yeah, a few people have seen them. Um, yeah, and I think last year a few people saw them as well. But I've yet to see one in the Bahamas. But, you know, that's the amazing thing about diving is, you know, every dive is different. You never know what you're going to see. I still see new things um, all the time on every dive. So yeah. it's really something you never get bored of because, you know, there's still so much to explore in coral reefs, um, you know, that many of us have never seen yet. Okay. So it's definitely um, something where you you never know what you're going to expect. You know, so it's just amazing. Oh, yeah. And this was an amazing episode. So thank you so much, Haley, for taking some time out on your Sunday to be here with me and talk about some of the work you do, which for you is not really work because you love doing it, which is great to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Definitely. And thank you all who've been watching and riding this wave with us. Hope you are here next time for the next episode of Siren Sundays. Thank you to our sponsor, Science and Perspective, because we all need a little more science and a lot more perspective. I will see you guys next time. Always yours, Lushanti the Siren.